Welcome to Secret Sauce for Success, show number four. Hi, everybody. You have tuned in to the Secret Sauce for Success show, where we strive to find the secret ingredients that lead to success. We interview successful guests every week and learn their secret to their success. We sincerely hope you implement these habits into your life and become the best you that you can be. Enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? It's Rick Stahl, host of the Secret Sauce for Success show, here with my co-host, Doug Kirstein. What's going on, Doug? Hey, Rick. It's a Sunday afternoon and my favorite time of year, football playoffs. I've been watching football all week, weekend long and all last weekend. Looking forward to next weekend and the Super Bowl. I love it. I can't get enough football. So, yeah, it's been a great, uh, it's been a great time for me. Not so much a great time for my diet because I also like pizza and beer when I watch football. Uh, this is a, this is a fun time, man. It's a fun time. I enjoy it. What's happening up at your end of the woods? Well, as you know, we bought a house recently and doing a lot of home repair. And this weekend, I was laying paver bricks, so a lot of work. My body is so sore, and I as I get into these projects, I always try to figure out where's that break point between hiring someone or doing it myself. And I've always used the the fifty dollars an hour number. I think that David Tippergren. Uh, brought forward that he tries to do in episode number one. And that's the number I always try to shoot for because I'm going to pay a handyman at $50 an hour to lay, you know, put in those uh, paver bricks. And But he probably could go a lot quicker and has, probably has a lot better stamina than I do and don't need as many naps and, and trips to Home Depot and stuff. So how do you, how do you make those trade-offs in your world, Doug? Well, that's, a, that's an interesting question. And it's a, kind of a tough question to answer. I think the general answer to the question is it depends on the uh, it really depends on the project is it something that I feel is within my capability is it is it in my wheelhouse or is this just something that I won't uh, I won't take on so you know I've built decks I've put up you know walls I've done all kinds of different things installed doors redone bathrooms all this sorts of stuff and in fact recently I just did for the first time uh, put some stone veneer siding on my house couple of, of months ago, we had a storm come through and beat up my vinyl siding. And my neighbor, after the same storm, had redone his siding altogether and did a lot of stone work and it looks great. Thought I'd better up my game before I had the ugliest house in the neighborhood. So I went ahead and put some, uh, decided I would get this stone veneer. It really looks great. We finished it yesterday. It's all done as of yesterday. Uh, and I'm so proud of the work, but it took me at least, I mean, it took me two months. I obviously am not able to work I have a regular job and other things I do. So uh, it took a couple of months, but I think the time I put into it with the, uh, the reward for just how good it looks and the fact that I can say I did it myself, it was worth the time I took. But uh, that has not always been the case. And so as I've taken on more projects, I've had to learn how to say, this isn't something that I can reasonably do, or yes, this is something that I want to take on. Uh, and then generally speaking, I will hopefully be more than $5 an hour or $10 an hour as I'm going through the process. But uh, $50 an hour, I think that's a good number because you can hire someone who's, who's good at doing it to uh, you know, take over the project. So that's kind of the long version of the story or the, of the answer. But yeah, I think it depends on the project. Very good. Very good. I think everybody has to make that trade-off. Uh, no matter what part of real estate you're doing, either home ownership or fixing and flipping or helping... <laughs> However it is, you know, make sure you're adding value. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Speaking of value, how about a quote of the week, Doug? Yeah. Uh, speaking of work, right? 
I think this is an interesting quote. Uh, Thomas Edison said, opportunity missed, rather opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. And so I think the opportunity can be opportunity to make money or opportunity to uh, save money, like I saved money doing my own work and to learn how to do something new. It was the first time I'd done masonry work. So that was uh, a fun and interesting world to get into. So yeah, I like that quote. Yeah, yeah, very good. And what did you think of uh, our guest for the week, LaDawn Westbrook? Yeah, LaDawn, what an interesting lady she is. I mean, she's just kind of chill and she's she's really even keeled. And, you know, she she talks about some of her, her business background and some of the things she did. And um, I think, you know, if I were sitting down in the lunchroom with her, I would think of her as an accountant or a CPA, somebody who is just really kind of risk averse and not into that kind of world. But to get to know her and hear her story, she really is, uh, has kind of, if you'll pardon the term, a wild side when it comes to her risk tolerances and that. I mean, she's done all kinds of different real estate investing. She's, she's done a lot of different funding methods and done a lot of different kinds of businesses, been a part of those businesses, and really uh, has just a tremendous wealth of knowledge. What a, a fascinating person she was. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, she covered everything. I mean, this is the pretty much the guidebook for real estate investing here in the next episode or in the interview with her is you name it, she's done it. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. I thought one of the, the interesting points that she made, and I want to say this kind of up front as someone who does advisory work as well, uh, she talked about getting into self-directed IRAs. I would say to anyone who's thinking that sounds like an interesting idea to uh, the very first thing you want to do is to contact your financial advisor and talk with them about the limitations of doing something like that. Uh, there are limitations. It's not quite so straightforward, but something that certainly can be done. So having said that, Rick, let's jump in and listen to LaDawn and see what she had to say. But I hope you enjoy the interview. Today we have a special guest, uh, LaDawn Westbrook. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet, LaDon. It's great to have you on tonight. We're anxious to hear some of your experiences and how you got to where you are today. So um, welcome. Glad to have you. Thank you. Can you uh, tell us about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm a proud Colorado native, born and raised here. Uh, pretty diverse business background. Um, small family. I have an older brother, younger brother. My mom is 92 and very healthy, so that's always um, very proud to brag a little bit about her. So, All right. So um, how did you get into real estate? That's a good question. Um, wasn't a totally planned event in my life. I've always been in corporate America, but I've always loved real estate. So I left my own company due to ethical issues with my partners and left it. And I was at that age where there was a lot of think age discrimination. It was hard to find another job for what I was making at that time in my life. So I thought real estate might be kind of a fun thing to do. I loved real estate. So I went and took my testing for real estate and insurance at the same time 
started out really on on-site sales, which wasn't quite my cup of tea just because I thought it was a little bit boring sitting in a sales tra- trailer waiting for people to come in. So finally hung my license and really haven't looked back. It's been 18 years now of doing real estate. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your that business to, before you got to real estate, just for background? A little bit of everything. The very first job out of college uh, that I took because I was afraid I wouldn't get a job was I was a hardcore uh, bill collector, which oh did not care for. That's um, tough. Then I went into <laughs> – it was very tough. did get a dog out of the thing. That's another story in itself. Um, then worked with a temporary placement agency and ended up with some ownership in that for several years. From there, uh, got on with a startup company that did mobile fleet maintenance and just created all the internal workings of that company. They had nothing in place for billing and accounts payable really created my own job position with creating um, all the systems that a company needed to run. And then that, the partners split and I went with another partner and we started our own company of doing on-site mobile maintenance. And it was that company after three years that I walked away from because of ethical issues with one of the partners and then real estate well sounds like you were prepared for going out on your own before you went out on your own that's some great experience (laughs) well and prior to all of that i also worked for attorneys for about eight years in between one of those um stints of moving around which was great legal background yeah i've done a little bit of everything (laughs) Yeah, one thing I've realized is, you know, I'm getting older is, is all these things build on each other. You, you take this skill that you learned over there and it applies to, to this and you take that success there and it goes over here. And, and so they all kind of interleave through your life. Well, exactly. And I think in real estate, especially since you are, you're, you know, you're an independent contractor, is to have that amount of good business background to run your own business as a real estate agent. I think a lot of agents struggle with that on being able to actually run their real estate business as a business versus a hobby. So as you got into real estate, you got your license and you started doing deals. What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? I like working with people. I mean, that I think it's a very people one-on-one business to help people with their, a big dream, you know, the dream of home ownership. Um, it's turning those dreams into addresses, which I love. What I don't like about real estate, and I still don't care for, is all the marketing that you need to do. You always have to tell people, you know, what you do, that you're a realtor, you know, all the social media stuff now, which when I started wasn't part of that marketing program and you have to to be a good marketer and that's the part I don't care for I I like working with the people I like the negotiations I like finding the properties and listing the properties but I don't like advertising 
excuse me, Rick, I always found it interesting. Uh, I got started actually with non in the uh, mortgage industry back in 1997 was my start in financial services. Uh, and I always found it interesting in working with realtors that they had this, um, this area, right, the farm that they would work. And that farm was bordered, basically defined by the bordering streets, right? And I thought, what I thought was really interesting yep. about that was, what does living in that particular area have to do with needing the services of a realtor? That, that always confounded me. Like, why would, you, uh, why would you market like that? Did you find that that was successful or were there other things that you did that maybe were more successful that made better sense or had better results? I never really did the farming portion as a marketing thing for the same reason. It didn't make sense to me to kind of, I mean, it's great to become an expert in a certain area. And if that's an area that you live in in your neighborhood, to be an expert for that neighborhood. But for me, I felt that was limiting because I go where my clients want me to go. So if I've got a client that, you know, wants to go down the, to Colorado Springs, or even I've done a couple of deals on the Western Slope because that's where they wanted to buy. It's a little bit more challenging, which I find fun for me. Uh, it's not the same thing. It's a little bit different. Let's throw you know, a wrench into that to make it more exciting. I go where my clients go and need me, if it makes sense. It doesn't always make sense to list a house on the Western Slope if you're not part of the MLS. My client base is pretty much, especially the last few years, is all referral-based. I work with clients that are referred to me or repeat clients. Excellent. Yeah, that's where the where you start to build a head of steam, you know, in this business, right, through referrals. Exactly. So you've been, you were doing, how long were you doing the real estate agent income, the job of an agent, before you started realizing that you needed to invest? I did my first investment 20 years ago. Okay, and what and was I've that? And I've been an agent 18. <laughs> so when I sold my, my part of my um, business with my partners with the mobile fleet maintenance, and they bought out my, uh, my ownership. I bought my first rental house, which was, well, 21 years ago. And I still have that home. I always wanted to be my best client versus needing clients. So first rental house, 21 years ago, and I've got eight now over the years. So that first deal, how did you, did you stumble on it? Did you actively pursue it? Can you just tell us a little bit about that first one? Um, I had a hunk of money and I didn't from the sale of my business. So it was like, well, let's go buy a house. I want, I want to buy my first rental. So what I did, I bought a brand new home. It was a new build uh, in Aurora, a little patio home. That was the start of my investment as far as, single family homes. So, you know, some people, uh, that first, that first deal is kind of a hard one to, for a lot of people to get over here, you know, you're in the, in the business here. So you you kind of have a lot of those fears minimized because you see it and you, you must realize that real estate is a good asset class to own. Um, but again, one of the other things people don't like is being a landlord. So you, you became a landlord and did you, prop, you know, manage it yourself or did you hire a property manager? Uh, my, 
homes that I have here in Colorado, I manage myself. I feel like I can look after my investments better than anybody else. Uh, my out-of-state ones, I do have property managers. I don't have a choice in that. So if you have a good property manager, it goes very smoothly. And if you don't, you can lose money. Do you have a, some sort of a checklist or a, a criteria that you look for in a property manager? Communication, for one, that they communicate uh, their fees. And do they have the same mentality of protecting that property like it's their own as to what tenants they put in there and what, how do they screen those tenants? One of the things that I look for is does that property manager go out and actually do a home visit where that potential tenant is actually living? Because that's a really telltale sign of how well that tenant's going to take care of a property. Yeah, that's good. What about the fee? What, what are property managers charge nowadays? It's kind of all over. I mean, standard tends to be 10%. Um, I'm seeing a lot of property managers here in Colorado and in Kansas City, which is where my um, six rentals are that I just bought. They do a flat fee of 80 bucks or 109, just depending on what the rent is for that area. Okay, so let's go back here a little bit. So you got your first house, um, you're in the business of real estate, and what about the second one? Second one was down in Texas, and I bought a duplex through a self-directed IRA. And if people don't know about self-directed IRAs, they need to talk to a financial planner. And is, it's, is that what you do, Doug? Yes, that's right. I do advisory work, yes. Uh, self-directed IRAs, I think, are awesome and are very underutilized and a great way to buy real estate, but just to invest through a self-directed. Very good. And you said that was a duplex? I bought a duplex, yes, down in Texas. And so how did recently that? sold. Okay. Well, how did it turn out, though, while you were holding it? It wasn't. That particular one was an okay investment. I bought that in 2008, and right after I bought it, the market down, um, well, every place, but in Texas, that duplex went from a purchase price of 180 down to a value of about 80000 Oh, boy. So I sat on it. <laughs> I sat on it for a long time. It barely cash flowed, and it took me three tries to get a good property management. Uh, and after the third, my third manager was great, and it started to cash flow. I just had less problems, less issues, less repairs. Now, why did you choose out of state? I mean, you, you, you bought your first one here in Aurora. Why didn't you stay around here? Um, I went to a seminar and a company had come had come through to present properties across the United States and that were researched out, vetted, and it looked like a good deal on paper. You know, the duplex, two doors, eighty thousand per side, one eighty acre of land um, was supposed to be worth two twenty when I bought it. Rent should have been eleven hundred. 
And none of that happened, unfortunately. You know, the market changed very quickly after I bought that, and it was kind of a downhill spiral. But again, if you sit long enough on real estate, you'll get your money out of it. Yeah, you sure did. You, you, how much did you sell it for, if I, we may ask? Um, I sold it for two thirty, oh, which was okay. probably below market. Um, but I didn't have any real estate fees to pay. And it was a quick cash deal, and I was out of it. And that's what I love about real estate. You know, it, it, you know, I've said it before, it's very forgiving. Just like you said, hold on to it a little bit. All right, so those so you, funds went back into my self-directed, and I'm okay. investing those funds now. Okay. So what about your third deal? So you, you, you bought you kind of the poor timing of the market there, um, but you never know, you know, right? So the third deal, you're coming along, what, what do you see? 19, it was 2014. I bought a foreclosed property in an up-and-coming area called Whittier, 30th and York, 30th and Columbine. Was a nasty duplex, been vacant for a while. Picked that up at the time for 194. Was going to do a fix and flip on that, but that neighborhood just hadn't quite come up to snuff. So I ended up renting that duplex. But when I bought it, I subdivided it into two separate properties. So if and when I decided to sell it, I could sell it one side, both sides, or as a building. So that was a nice rental from 2014 to 2018. Uh, I had a cash flow great, had the eviction from hell, bad juju. I sold it and flipped it into um, a 1031 exchange. Very good. Yeah, you. I have to say, you, you, you're... Uh, hitting on a lot of little different niches here, you know, the self-directed IRA subdivision, you know, evictions. We haven't quite heard a lot of stories about those yet. So those are all these little toolboxes are really good to have in your, your toolbox, right? The duplex that I paid 194 for probably had 320 into it uh, after the rehabs sold it for 600. Holy moly. Nice. Well, I love the idea of your like idea. Real estate. <laughs> it seems to like you as well. So uh, I, I love your idea, <laughs> that creative idea of splitting those, that duplex into two separate properties. That's, that's really creative and kind of thinking outside the box when it comes to how am I going to make this property work you know, most efficiently for me and most effectively. That's great. I love it. So tell us about your next deal. So- so the 1031 exchange on that one um, bought a single family home in Park Hill and a condo over in Aurora. So I have now three properties in Colorado. 2019, I sold that um, Park Hill house and bought six properties in Kansas City. Wow. Gotta love the exchange rate, quote unquote, right? Amazing. Well, in Kansas City, Kansas City was doing is doing what Denver was has been doing for the last eight to ten, well, ten to fifteen years, with slowly escalating in the property values and the rents starting to escalate. So, why have one house 
where I get 2500 a month in rent. I've got six now for 5000 in rent. Nice. Wow. So how did you find them? How did you do did you just do a 1031? Did you find the agent over there? How did you do that? Um, I found Travis through actually a seminar that I had gone to with Pine Financial and um, connected with Travis with one invest, sat down with him because I liked what I was hearing and made a trip out to Kansas City to check it out. And finally, when the house sold or I got it sold, I went back out and picked out my properties. Go shopping for six houses. I'll take that one. Take houses, the red yeah. one. <laughs> take the blue one. So how did that work out? Did you you had another property I mean, manager? I yeah, they it was all set up with a property management company, which I just fired yesterday and I did change companies. I just was having too many issues with bookkeeping and getting my funds in a timely uh, manner and I felt their fees weren't competitive so we are now um, we're in the process of changing um, property managers out there but they're all cash flowing I've only got one that's not rented it was a rehab when I bought it they had just closed on it so the rehab took a little longer and they're taking longer to get that one rented right now so so we were talking with the last guest about building a team. So, you know, it's I think it's easy to build a team when you're right here. We can go meet with them. But now you're trying to build a team out in Kansas City. Yep. How, how do you do that? It's reaching out to people, people that you know, you know, Googling and finding companies that have good ratings uh, as far as the property management company and just reaching out to people in the investment world. I mean, that's how I found Travis through Pine Financial. That's how I found you guys. Rick posted he needed to find a property. So it's, it's networking, it's reaching out to good people that you surround yourself with, which I think is extremely important. Yeah, I would say that's uh, maybe one of the secret ingredients to the secret sauce here. Who is, LaDonna, in your opinion, who is your most, or not necessarily by name, but by position, who is the most important teammate that you have? I think as a realtor um, on that side, my lender and my title people are probably the most important part of the team besides your client. Um, Without a good lender, without a good title company, you just can't get the deal done. You got to have a good CPA, good attorney. You know, when you need one, hopefully you don't need those often. It's always good to have. But for on the investment side, to find good investments, finding a group of people that you trust and that have good advice. You know, it's not about them, but it's about good for the whole, the whole for the good. Uh, cliche that I'm not getting right there. That I think is very important. I know what you mean. All right. So you have these six properties in Kansas City. You have one or two still here in Denver, right? Right, two. And do you have any more? Or was that your last investment? Uh, Besides the house I live in, as far as real estate, personally owned, those are 
what I have. I invest with a group of investors where we go in and buy apartment complexes. Okay, tell us about so that. It's kind of like crowdfunding the group that I invest with. The, the CEO is very just astute at finding great deals. And when she finds a, a great deal, she puts it out to the, to the group and says, here's what I found. What, what are your thoughts? This is the money we need to raise to, to purchase that deal. And that's been very successful for me. There's an apartment complex here in Aurora. There's stuff down in Phoenix, um, Illinois, that we're all part owners of, Puerto Rico. And it's all cash flowing. One of our um, investments that we bought as a group kind of rehabbed it. Some of the, most of these need some rehabbing to get them up to snuff and to market value we had a buyer come to us and say, we would like to buy this complex. And as a group, we voted, heck yes. My return for my small investment was something like 38% in 18 months. That's really good. And that's, again, funds a lot of that through self-directed IRAs. Is that where you're focused now on your investing side? Right. Yeah. Right now, I believe in not having lazy funds sitting around. So as my bank accounts for my rental properties or from real estate, I start getting funds accumulated. I look for some place to invest that, whether that's purchasing another property, if that's buying a fix and flip or crowdfunding and buying um, or even hard money lending. I, I, done very well with my hard money lending also. And you do that hard money lending through the crowdfunding company? Yeah, mostly with that group. And what what is the name of that group? It is Direct Source Wealth. Okay. I need some of that direct source wealth coming into my bank account. Happy to introduce you to, to the CEO. Maybe we'll have to get her on the show here. Let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. Here at Stahl Realty, you are number one. I'm a realtor with HomeSmart, and my job is to make sure you are satisfied. Here is what one satisfied client of Stahl Realty had to say. Rick Stahl was an awesome asset in helping our family find a home that checks all our boxes. He is patient and committed. I would recommend calling upon his services. One of my favorite mottos is making milestones memorable. Buying or selling a house can be overwhelming, but with my guidance and expertise, I can make this process as smooth as possible. I can be reached via email at stylerealty at gmail.com or text call me at 720-429-3303. I look forward to hearing from you. And now back to our show. So, Ladon, as you know, like hopefully some of our people out there listening are newer investors. So, what advice can you give them? You know, you, you've you've done everything here. You, you also you've covered everything. What what can kind of advice can you give them? I think be persistent. I mean, if you want to invest, research it out. Talk to people in the know. 
you know, be persistent in getting there and stay the course, you know, buy that first rental property. Don't be afraid to do that. Get a self-directed IRA. I mean, if you got ever came from corporate America and you've got a 401k out there that's not doing anything, convert it into uh, self-directed so you've got the funds to invest. So you could go buy your first rental property or crowdfund uh, into a bigger project and not have as much out-of-pocket money. You know, you can get in sometimes as little as, uh, you know, $20,000, $25,000 versus buying a something in Denver right now, which is extremely expensive. Okay. And what kind of um, successful habits, you know, like you mentioned being persistent, what other successful habits do you think you have that led to, you know, your overwhelming success here? I don't give up. <laughs> you know, when you're an independent contractor, which a real estate agent is, or if you're self-employed, you're self-employed, the only person that you can blame if you're not success, successful is yourself. So if you want to be successful, I think you have to be persistent. Again, stay the course. Don't give up. And network and, and talk to the people that are experts in that area, whatever that is, you know, the real estate or banking or mortgages, or uh, you want to be the best barista at, you know, Starbucks, get a mentor if you need to, or a business coach. Stay at it. Don't give up. All right. Do you do a lot of reading? I do. Um, One of my favorite overall business real estate books is in in a simple read is the richest man in Babylon it's a simple lesson you know easy and it's a fun read but you know save 10 percent pay yourself first yeah I thought it was very simple but good and then do you have any business books you like to read um the millionaire next door was one that sticks in my mind um again I think some really basic, simple habits that people can do. I have a girlfriend that calls me the millionaire next door. And live below your means, you know. Don't spend every dime you have. So I'm curious about um, your your thinking on the future here. Uh, Where do you think things are going to go with the new administrative, uh, excuse me, administration and some of the tax changes? Uh, Joe Biden has not been specific necessarily about some of the things that he's going to do, but he's talking about raising the capital gains rates by uh, some percentage. We don't know what, but obviously that's going to impact the real estate market and people who invest. Uh, Do you and some of your colleagues have opinions on that? And and what do you think is going to happen as a result? I'm worried about that. Um, First of all, you know, the current administration and the incoming one has spending billions and trillions of dollars for all this COVID stuff has happened and who's going to pay for that? We are. So yes, I think taxes are going to go way up. I think in Colorado, it was the Gallagher was just repealed, which is going to pull from my understanding. There's not going to be a limit now on property taxes. That was just for the city of Denver, so, though, right? I'm hoping it's just 
Denver and not the whole state. So yeah, I I think we I don't think we're going to see it this year. I think real estate wise and interest rates are going to stay low, but I think our taxes are are going to go up. They're going to have to. You know, I'm not very I'm not a real political person and I don't pay much attention to that, which is probably bad. Uh, but the negative news gets to me, so I tend not to watch it. Excuse me. I, I heard a podcast today, and the the guy was predicting uh, sub one percent rates in the future. And I listened to other podcasts, and they're like, "Oh no, we're going up. You know, we're going to have higher interest rates." So, what do you think interest rates are going to do? Uh, you know, I think they they have to go up eventually. I don't think we could keep going lower and lower. I never expected them to last this long at this low of a rate. And when they got back into the threes, I didn't think we'd see them back into the twos, but they are back in the, into the twos again. But I mean, just historically, if you look at, you know, the last 50, 60 years when they've been tracking, you know, the numbers, they've got to go back up. I mean, we can't sustain this forever. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I've been concerned about this for some time, and the the national debt uh, is probably my biggest fiscal concern. Uh, interest rates will will kind of move depending upon which of those you know which you're talking about, whether it's long term rates, mortgage rates, or the federal funds rate and the shortest rates that, that uh, banks use. But um, I think the national debt is going to be a major problem for us at one of these points. And when we're unable to borrow money and issue debt, we're going to have a real real problem. I don't know where the, the horizon for that is. But, yeah, I share your concerns about that. Time will tell. But, you know, we, we're the ones, you know, the working Joes who weren't that pay for that. So um, taxes, whether they're property taxes, income tax, it's going to go up. Yeah, very good. So what do you do for fun when you're not investing and selling houses? What do you do? Recently with COVID, not a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Joined the crowd. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I'm really tired of my company. But I love to travel. Um, My goal over the next few years is to to travel a whole lot more. Of course, Colorado has great hiking and, and just getting outdoors is enjoyable in Colorado. But, but my love is is travel. <laughs> well, what's on your bucket list? Bali. I've already bought the uh, cert- housing certificate for the island for um, a cool. very nice 1,500 square foot suite with private pool. So 10 days, hopefully the end of this year or January of 2022. Well, that sounds fun. Definitely something to look forward to. Are you going to invite us out there? <laughs> sure, come along. <laughs> the more the merrier, right? <laughs> so, Ladon, how can people get a hold of you? Well, you can call me. You can certainly email me. You can Google me and find me. You know, realtors, we're always out there. Go ahead and say your phone number and get it out there and your, you spell your name so people can't miss okay. you. Okay. Your phone number is 720 371 8798 and the email is smart colorado properties 
at gmail.com. And it's LaDawn Westbrook. It's L-A-D-A-W-N. Westbrook. No E. Very good. I hope people reach out to you. Hope you get a lot of business. Um, sounds like you've done well and sounds like you're going to continue to do well. Uh, are you going to, your, your near-term goal, is it to retire and go live in Maui or what, what's the, just the short, or I guess your next goal here? Maybe slow down. Um, I love real estate. I love helping people get into homes, but it's also a 24-7 business sometimes. So I'm going to kind of segue into mobile closings, mobile notary, so I can shut it off when I want to, take a month off to go go travel, go scuba, go to Australia, see the Great Barrier Reef. So that's kind of what um, I'm working on for the next couple of years is uh, segue into that um, notary business. Well, thank you so much, LaDon, for the for being here on Secret Sauce for Success. You sure have a lot of secret ingredients in your uh, spice rack there. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been great talking with you. We appreciate it. I'm sorry. My pleasure. The technology there, but uh, uh, we certainly appreciate your time. I appreciate you having me. You're welcome. It's been, it's been fun. Thank you. Wow. That was a great interview with LaDon Westbrook. Doug, what do you think? Oh yeah. So interesting. What a, what a wonderfully wise and interesting person that she is. I just really enjoyed uh, hearing what she had to say and, and hearing about her history, what she's done. Yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, this is a textbook example of investing in real estate. I mean, I mean, she's an agent, you know, so she kind of knows her way around the, the whole industry. But from an investing point of view, she's done it all. So, I mean, this is it. The self-directed IRA, like you mentioned before the interview, uh, she's subdividing some land. She's done evictions. She's invested in uh, out-of-state property. Uh, she's done duplexes, single-family homes, condos. She bought a foreclosed home. She's doing crowdfunding now. And one time, she bought six houses. So I think they had a buy three, get three free over in Kansas City. So she just started giving me two of the red ones, two of the whites, two of the blues. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone like buying houses in bulk before. No, that's a new one for me. I know. That's just a way to get up your numbers there fast. It's like, and, you know, one other thing I thought was really interesting is she bought a house in 2008 and right as the market was crashing, right? And some people could play the victim card and say, you know, woe is me. She just holds onto the house right through the down and all the way back up. And she cashes it in this year or last year now. And she makes money on it, you know? So uh, I just thought that was really good. Just maybe just hold on and not do anything for a while. And maybe sometimes this is the right answer. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, from what we heard about her history and the kinds of things that she's done, she's clearly got the brains to do it. She can reason through that and think through that and, and uh, make some calculated steps toward, ensuring that she's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be okay with it. She said a little tight for a while, but she made it work. So uh, yeah, just a testament to her kind of intestinal fortitude when it comes to real estate investing and some of the risks. 
Right, right. And what did you think of what were her secret ingredients for success? We asked her about them, but what do you think, you, just to go a little deeper? Well, there's a lot of things. As always, there's a long list of things that, that I think could be on the secret sauce to success list, right? But I think a lot of those can just go on the success list when it comes to the secrets to success, the things that really make the difference between a, a truly successful person and someone who's really struggling is some of the, the philosophical uh, notes that we heard from her. One that stuck out to me really was the idea that the most important thing in investing with your team is having a team that's focused on the greater good of the team. Nobody's in it for themselves. Everybody's in it to kind of put their, their two cents in and do the specialized piece that they're there to do. And when they do that and everybody works for that greater good, then you have more success. And while that may seem on one hand like a kind of a no-brainer at the same time, it's something that's incre incredibly important. And I think maybe something that should be more closely looked at by, uh, by a lot of people who are out there investing. So I love that. I thought that was great. What about you, Rick? I mean, I think that, that was good, but there were a lot of other things. What really jumped out at you? Well, I, I know this is, you know, the probably everybody says it, but being persistent and she just has a tenacity to stick with it, you know, like holding that house uh, through those years. Um, I think if you're just not willing to, fail you just get you're gonna hang in there no matter what you know reminds me of the one of the sayings from one of my favorite movies uh galaxy quest you know tim allen where he's like never give up never surrender well never give up and she she never surrenders she just goes at it and uh anyway i just thought it was a textbook example of how to invest in real estate um it was really good yeah excellent excellent i really enjoyed that um, so I'm looking forward to maybe going back and listening to it again and two or three more times and seeing what else I can pick up from it. All right, Doug, why don't you take us out of here? Yeah, will do. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate the, uh, the uh, time that we spent this week. We appreciate LaDawn. Thank you for coming on the show. That was awesome. And uh, everybody out there, don't miss the opportunity. Don't be afraid to get your hands dirty and, and, get in and, and do some work. You never know what you're going to find, what you're going to learn. And, uh, uh, there's there's this limit, limitless possibilities out there. Don't let that sneak by you. Rick, we'll see you next time, everybody. Join us next week for another great guest. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Secret Sauce for Success show, where we find the secret ingredients for success. We all want to be successful in life, so let's break down the steps it takes to get there and learn from other people's journeys. We hope that through the stories you hear on our show, you will find success in your way.